0: Now, what we're going to do next is uh, just do a very quick vocabulary uh, review. I don't know if you're going to get stuck writing any standalone lesson plans for vocabulary, uh, but uh, let's just do a, a quick review and then I will show you a vocabulary lesson plan so you know how to do one. Um, basically, we have a worksheet on syllables and inflectional suffixes and my only purpose for including this data set was just to uh, have you review open and closed syllables just remember that if your mouth stays open on a syllable like ma ma for example this syllable is considered open and the second syllable is considered open for the reason that your mouth stays open when you say them bat man for example remember that both of those are closed because there is a consonant in the rhyme it's a word family basically this is important because if you have a word like repeat for example it consists of an open and a closed syllable and understand are all closed syllables. Now in looking at the rest of these remember that there are things that uh, suffixes that exist that are called uh, inflections and this is what they do. On this page you have the inflections that you find in the English language. For example, cat to cats, this is simply a plural noun. Chris's becomes a possessive noun. Washes, this is going to be a third singular for a verb, as in it runs he runs, she runs, or it washes, he washes, she washes. It's just for agreement. And then we have tenses right here. We have the past tense and then we have uh, past tense again. And this would be considered the progressive tense. Softer, softest, both of these are adjectives. In this case we have a comparative adjective, and in this case we have a superlative adjective. Now, I think it would be worth my time to just remind you of what an affix is. Well, one variety of affix, of course, is the the suffix, which you're looking at right here. But there's another category that I want to introduce. So let me go ahead and do that. Please just remember that you have, for example, the affix. And the affix can be divided into two things, into a prefix or a suffix. Prefixes are always of one variety, that is the derivation. Suffixes you can divide into two parts, one being a derivation and the other being the inflection. So all of the suffixes that we looked at just a second ago on uh, this page, these are all inflectional suffixes and they only do a handful of things. They make plurals, possessives, etc. Now, what we need to do is have you turn the page. Please turn the page if you would. And take a look at some derivational uh, roots and affixes, okay? So in the first instance right here, understanding there's no derivation in there. There is a, a, a verb form called a gerund. That would be like understanding is an important thing, but I think that's beyond the scope of what you need to know. Let's instead look at these two words that can be structurally analyzed pretty easily, like internationalization and thermometer for certain structures. Okay, so in looking at internationalization, what we're going to do is structural analysis. We're going to analyze this word for like roots and affixes and then figure out what the word means based on the type of root and affix we encounter. So we have our base word or our free root word nation right here and it's a noun. When we add A L, it changes it to an adjective. I Z will change it to a verb. A T I O N will change it back to a noun. So look at what derivational affixes do. They change the grammar and the meaning of a word. That's especially true in the case of the suffix. Now enter, enter is a prefix that's going that means between. So you use these derivational affixes to change the grammar and change the meanings of words. So that when you and I jump back to our little uh, schematic right here, inter was the derivational prefix. al. I-Z-E and A-T-I-O-N were all of the derivational suffixes present in that word, internationalization. There were no inflections in it unless we had added an S to it. For example, if I jump back over to our uh, data set and I say internationalizations, well, then that's still a noun, but it happens to be of the plural variety. So and the meaning doesn't change that much. It's still within the same grammatical category, and it just means that there's more than one nationalization policy, I, I guess. Thermometer. The purpose of this one was to look at free and bound roots, and thermo is a bound root, and meter's a free root, as a matter of fact, because you can say meter, and it can stand by itself and have meaning. Thermo, on the other hand, is bound, it's a bound root because you really can't walk around saying thermo. Or you'd have to have it be thermos or thermonuclear or whatever. So the way that you would handle uh, instructing this, you wouldn't use structural analysis. You could, but it'd probably be more fun to do uh, a semantic map. And semantic maps are uh, are really uh, quite simple. And that that's his map there. That's that's how I'm spelling map today. So just remember that you can have a word like bene, for example, and bene would be defined as, uh, as this, coming from Latin and meaning good, and you draw your little circle and then you create words out of it. You have benefit, benedict, beneficial etc. So that's uh, uh what I wanted to do is simply make sure that you understood the difference between an inflection and a derivation and a free root and a boundary that should be uh, pretty easy to do. Turn the page, if you would, and let's take a look now at these contextual words. Uh, once again, I wanted to review two things with you, the different types of uh, contextual vocabulary words that you need to know, including homophones, homographs, and homographic homophones, which are multiple meaning words. The term that I used in class for the homographic homophone is simply homonym. I'll show you where the homonym is. So I'd rather use that, to be honest with you, than homographic homophone. All right, two, 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 there, 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 sight, sight, sight. Mm-hmm. All of these happen to be homophones. Do let's remember that there are two different types of uh, activities for homophones. For example, you could do a, a semantic close. But let's do the first one. I'm sorry. Some. Uh, oh my God, I can't think today. I'm not re-recording this. There is the sin, tack, tick, close activity that you can do. Syntactic close activities would be like you have a sentence, I went blank the store. And let's say that we're working on two, two, and two, which were the problems right in here. You know that that space grammatically right here demands that we put in a two, a preposition. For context, you would do um, something like this. You'd use a semantic close. And that would, I think the example that I used in class was for site like uh, blank your research. The only one that can go in there correctly would be site uh, C-I-T-E. Maybe the other ones could go in there too uh, grammatically, maybe not, but this is an example where the, it's the uh, context that's demanding too, which one you, you happen to pick. Now looking at the rest of the words on this list, here we have our homograph group, lead, lead, minute, 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 project and project. And so in all of these things, looking at lead and lead, minute and minute, project and project, you can see that it's vowel lengthening and shortening that determines what the word is going to be, depending on how it's pronounced. So lead, lead, or lead, lead, short vowel, long vowel. It's the context that tells you the pronunciation. The pronunciation then uh, determines the meaning. Minute, 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 that's stress shift. Project and project, stress shift. I would do a picture dictionary for this stuff. Like they could have their own little homograph dictionary. They can have their own little homograph dictionary. Well, you have your picture of the teacher leading the class, for example, and the pencil letter, whatever, for teaching the child what concepts lie behind the the particular word. Okay, well last we're looking at our friends the multiple meaning words. I don't want you, I don't think to use homographic homophone unless you want. You can use instead the homonym and a homonym is really easy. It's a multi a multiple meaning word. Take the word play, for example, put it into a semantic map, and talk about the definitions of having fun, playing music, for example and going to the theater. All of those are options. Now, understand that all of these things would affect a child's comprehension if they don't know uh, another meaning for raise, share, and cool, especially for cool. You have a student who only knows uh, cool as below body temperature, for example, as being the only definition for it, and then they run into adolescent literature that says, boy, that teacher's really cool, and the student thinks that the teacher's dead because they don't really know what's going on. So you have to teach them the other associations for these words. Do also remember that there are different kinds of meaning associated with multiple meaning words in some cases, like, my teacher is is cool. That is a connotative definition. It's a slang definition. Below body temperature would be considered a denotative meaning a more formal, more dictionaries-type definition, a stricter definition. Okay, well, let's take a look quickly, very quickly, at how you could write up a lesson plan for a vocabulary. They're very easy to write, and let's uh, have you consider this. Let's say that you have a child who, when reading the word country, says county. Now, county and country are very, very close in meaning, okay? So this, there's going to be a slight change in the meaning of whatever sentence the child was have uh, happened to read. But the problem is that you can't have a child doing this because they're going to take away meanings that are close but not exact to what they're reading. So the way that you would analyze this is by looking at why the child made the error in the first place. Remember, there are three different levels. There's meaning, and there's syntax, and there's visual information. Well, the problem is that county and country mean almost the same thing. Grammatically, they're both nouns, and visually, they look the same. So here is a lesson plan for how I would recommend that you handle a vocabulary problem like this. You want to focus on county and country. You want to use a semantic map, a pen, and a learning log. And then you want to... Display because you always display the words county and country for the child and read them them to the child. You have to highlight differences in the word to focus the child's attention on the print. You see, what that's going to do is going to take care of the visual problem that the child is having. But also, you have to get at the meaning. You will also, if you look at this carefully, display the graphic uh, organizer and show them where county and country fit within it and then work together to to complete it. So you have, for example, uh, city, county, state, and country uh, visually depicted on this graphic organizer called a semantic map. Why do you do this? To work on semantics. That's why meaning so that the child can actually visualize how the words are ordered. Now, the last thing you can do to work on grammar, i.e. syntax, is have the student recreate the graphic uh, organizer in the learning log and generate a sentence. Like, my country is the United States. I live in the state of California. I live in Stanislaus County. My uh, city is called modest. And I, I guess I made a mistake or maybe that was a Freudian slip. It's such a modest place, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Well, anyway, benefit, the semantic mapping activity, I named the activity, here's my benefit, will help the student recognize and understand the meanings of visually similar words like county and country because he's been taught to attend the print, see the semantic relationships visually, and use the words and sentences to understand their position syntactically. Expanding his recognition of these words will elaborate and extend his uh, vocabulary and increase his comprehension of text. Okay, well, that's basically it for uh, vocabulary. The next place uh, that we will go is to an IEP, I believe. And I'll see you back here in a second.